0: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: Well, thank you, sir, and a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome. It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It's not Tuesday. See, You can't believe everything that a talk show host tells you. It's actually Thursday, another one of those tea days of the week. It is Thursday, the 19th of July in 2018. I have on good authority, and we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m., addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. And we'll do more of the same today before we get into today's topic and meet our guest. A couple of quick housekeeping items, if I might. First, our dear friend friend, Dr. Jerry Buckner, who of course has been a uh Member of the KFAX programming family for many many years. In fact, his show kind of started as a guest host on my program more than twenty years ago. Dr. Buckner, host of Contending for the Faith, heard on KFAX every Saturday evening from seven until eight p.m. Well, he's going to be speaking this coming Sunday, July twenty-second, at Petaluma Valley Baptist Church. That's located at five eighty Sonoma, Sonoma Mountain Parkway in Petaluma, and he'll be speaking at both the nine a.m and 11 a.m. services. So Dr. Buckner sent me a note and said, gee, would you share that with your listeners if they'd like to come on out and enjoy a time together in the Word? So, done. You're invited. If you're up in the Petaluma area or uh, looking for a new new church home or just want to meet Dr. Jerry Bucker, check him out again this Sunday at the 9 and 11 a.m. services at Petaluma Valley Baptist Church in in Petaluma. We have talked this week, in fact, almost ad nauseum over the last several weeks concerning a number of bills before the California state legislature. They are on recess, but when they return in August, they mean to get down to business. And many of these bills are downright unconstitutional, and at many degrees, frightening. But one of the bigger bills, one of the most egregious bills that we have been concerned with, has been AB 2943. That essentially makes it in California not only a crime to counsel individuals, but more egregious still, suggests that the distribution of literature that may be contrarian to the California state agenda, could be a violation of California law. How specific can I take it? Distribution by licensed counselors of reading material of books of bibles would be a violation of law and punishable under same. Wow! You think, Craig? Are you kidding me? Wait! wait, wait, What? We got a Constitution here. We got First Amendment rights. How can you possibly say that? I got a better question for you. How can the California State Legislature possibly consider a bill like this? But they have, and they are, and they will if you don't. By that I mean they will pass this if you don't let your voice be heard. So while they are in recess, this is an ideal time for you to sit down in front of your computer and pen an email. Make a telephone call, or if you're so inclined, do it the old-fashioned way and write a letter. If you go online, simply Google who is my senator for California, who is my assembly member for California. Put in your zip code. You can find out exactly who they are. You can also get a mailing address and an email address. And we urge you to please urge your member of the California State Legislature to vote no on AB 2943. That's a no vote on AB 2943. And we'll have some guests on the program tomorrow that will help take us a little bit deeper into this topic. But I just wanted to be remindful of you that this needs to be done, that time is of the essence. Yes, they are on recess right now over the summer, but when they come back, they're going to come roaring back, and the agenda is a very, very frightening one. So you need to let your voice be heard in Sacramento. Say, well this thing passes, it'll wind up in the Supreme Court. Yeah, maybe so. But can we save a little time and hassle and instead just let our voices be heard? Stop the legislature from engaging in stupidity? I know that's not an easy thing to do with this legislature, but, you know, try your best. All right. With that said, let's pivot to another issue. We are today in part number two of a series dealing with sexuality and our culture today. And as we have discussed everything from the impact of the Me Too movement and the realization that there are some issues today in our society that are less than God's ideal for human sexuality. I mean, this is, after all, a gift that was created by very God himself. Certainly, we understand the gift of sexuality is an expression of love between a couple in marriage and for procreation, but unfortunately, in man's fallen sin nature, this has been distorted and and in some ways has debased in such a fashion that we've gone from the, the notion of sexualization of our culture to hyper-sexualization today. So it's more than just arousing us and procreating us, but now today, human sexuality or sexuality itself has been used as a form of entertaining us, of selling us, of distracting us, of debasing us, and in its worst forms, even dehumanizing us. Joining me once again today in studio is Pastor Clay Allen. He is founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry founded along with his wife, Susan. And Clay, good to see you again.
2: Great to be here, Craig. It's a joy to be with you.
1: I would imagine that might set some people back on their heels if you look at sort of the, the, the progression or degression of what's happened in the distortion of human sexuality, that it has gone from God's design to now the influence of man's fallen nature in which suddenly sex is no longer simply to arouse us, to express love, to our spouse, to procreate, but now it entertains on Madison Avenue it sells. In many ways, it's used in some of the worst forms, and I'm thinking of things like human sex trafficking and prostitution. It's used to rob other human beings of their dignity, certainly for – or singularly for financial gain. All of this coming to this big picture that the influence of things like pornography, for example, has really cast a very dark shadow across what is supposed to be a splendid gift from God.
2: And it's very sad uh, when you realize the depth and breadth of this plague, if you wish, because that's what it is. And what you're describing essentially is that our, uh, our culture has caused sex to become a casually transmitted expression of artificial love uh, in almost every single form. The stats today are just overwhelming. Um, you know, I see a lot of surveys, but one of the largest uh, surveys was ever done in 2016 on this topic. The topic of uh, the impact of pornography, and it paints a picture of uh, desperation and also hope. Uh, the desperation is it indicated uh, well over 50 percent of all men, meaning Christian and non-Christian, are actively using pornography on a regular basis. And if you think about that number for a minute, um, we have to put in we have to think in terms of people, right? Uh, You walk into your church uh, the next Sunday that you go to church or uh, whatever you go, Saturday or whatever, and uh, you count out 10 guys. Five of those 10 or more are struggling right now with this topic. Um, And it gets much worse. Uh, The study also indicated that 40% of pastors, male active pastors, are pursuing pornography on a regular basis. And just let that sink in for a minute because these are, of course, the leaders of our church. So when our leader is involved in this, of our church, what then happens with the flock? What are they hearing? More importantly, what are they not hearing uh, from that pastor? And uh, equally uh, sad about the uh, survey that came out was an indication that the vast, uh, the vast majority of those who do use pornography, whether it's a pastor or a man, uh, who are looking for help to get out of this uh, way of living can't find help. Uh, In fact, I think the number was somewhere around 80, 85 percent, somewhere in there. It's just a gigantic number. And uh, and so when you think about this, uh, that you have uh, nearly half of our pastors, um, you have half or more of our men, you have an equal number or a large number at least of women who have been impacted by this, and then lots of guys saying, hey, I want out of this. It leads then to one of the other stats in this survey, which is mind-boggling, that only 7% of churches in the United States right this minute are effectively addressing this issue. Mm. Which, if you're the devil, <laughs> you, you you are you're celebrating. You're celebrating. You are – yeah. And, and, and so when you're thinking about this – and, of course, this is nothing new. This has happened throughout history, but it's been accelerated because of the Internet – and because of addictive uh, uh, lifestyles and what happens and so forth, but there is an answer to this, and and the answer to this is as we shed light on this, we can start helping people know that this is not uh, this is not God's idea, and when we deviate from um, uh, sex His way, uh, we start to become unfulfilled very quickly, and we start getting involved in um, boundaryless, godless. Behavior
1: and doesn't it also too set up a sense of false intimacy mm-hmm. that now can distort one's understanding of what true intimacy in a relationship is supposed to be?
2: Absolutely. In fact, um, that's one of the four uh, main causes of this, which is a guy who gets involved in this uh, actually uh, biologically changes his brain, literally. Uh, and I've actually seen uh, photographs of this it, it, where they've actually photographed the, 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 the uh, mental uh, freeways, if you wish, from uh, uh, a brain's uh, reward center to uh, uh, his behavior. And what happens is these freeways get larger and larger that are heading towards the re- reward uh, receptors of that man's brain, which creates uh, an addictive mechanism that connects their sexuality to that altered state or that fantasy world. And as a man gets involved with, say, pornography or masturbation or illicit sex with another person, they repeat this thousands and thousands of times, and their primary sex orientation is this altered state, this fantasy world.
1: So not only rewires the brain, but I would imagine, too, that similar to any sort of addictive drug, that the amount of the drug, in this case, the sex that it takes, to achieve the same degree of high or satisfaction becomes higher and higher and higher as you build up almost an autoimmunity to it.
2: That's exactly right. And uh, it, in one of our other shows, I had planned to go through the uh, uh, the cycle of that sexual brokenness. One of the things you'll see attached right to that is that for every high, there's a corresponding low. Uh, what
1: goes up comes down. Sure. Yes. The what, crash.
2: Yes. And what's really fascinating about that is that low – Promotes the search for a greater high meaning in frequency or intensity. And that therein lies the definition of this.
1: Could that also suggest that sometimes we see, and we've heard these stories of a man that quote unquote innocently begins with pornography, and the next time you know it is involving now maybe hiring a prostitute, that the sense of risk taking gets higher and higher and higher as number one, the satisfaction degree diminishes, and therefore the drive the need to try and and achieve that goal get that level of satisfaction requires behavior that becomes more and more outlandish
2: yes, and one of the things about this is believing that you have control uh, which is a high in itself, and this is where the frequency and the intensity aspects create that high that adrenaline rush this is where that freeway i was mentioning the mental freeway to the brain's reward receptors broadens and broadens and broadens now the good news about this is uh, god designed our brains uh, to do what they do and so there is an antidote for this if you wish to bring it back to norm and, uh, and we call that healing or transformation or restoration in fact um when when you talk about wives involved in uh, this uh, that are being impacted, one of the most beautiful things that God does about this is he causes the man who is receptive to God's uh, hand in this to uh, fall in love and have a new love for his wife, because she can't possibly compete with this fantasy world, uh, which is really an unfortunate state that the man's put himself
1: in. And fascinating because as you look, again, sort of pulling back the layers of the onion, you then see that the destructive behavior not only has an impact on us, certainly spiritually,
2: yeah
1: physiologically, emotionally, yeah, relationally with our spouse I mean it 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 really ultimately impacts so many layers of our life. Is it any wonder that for men in particular, but certainly not singularly unique to men, that there is such a difficult time? admitting that there's a problem, seeking help, surrendering, and finding victory because it just, it's just so invasive and intrusive to every aspect of life.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely toxic, and it is invasive, and uh, very often a man will not even understand how invasive this becomes. My wife did a wonderful, wonderful thing here some, uh, some time back where she, she uh, as she counseled so many women, she started making a list of the signs, if you wish, or all the areas where this starts to manifest itself that you don't think anything about, you know, how does this affecting or how is this associated with sex, for example? For example, finances or children or time. And, and so when we look at some of these uh, indicators, um, how invasive this becomes, it's absolutely amazing.
1: And, and begin to realize, too, with no pun intended, how rapidly seductive yeah. all of this can be. Yeah. you You think you're the the seducer when, in fact, you are the seducee yeah. by the enemy himself we'll pick up after a brief time out on that point, and I want to dive a little bit deeper too into why we 're seeing some of these trends um, certainly part of it is a change in social mores, but what else? Pastor Clay Allen with us today in studio, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. We are, of course, into a multi-part series here on Lifeline on these Thursdays. If you'd like to get more information about last week's broadcast, you can simply go to our podcast at kfax.com and look up last Thursday in the first hour, the 5 p.m. hour. Also, information, resources, workshops, seminars available by going to Avenue.Works. That is, in fact, the URL extension. So it is Avenue.Works. So instead of like a .com or .org, it's .Works, W-O-R-K-S, Avenue.Works, or you can call toll-free 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. We'll take a brief time out. We'll get you updated on traffic. Come back with more as Lifeline continues. All right, 522 on the clock. And the boss man tells me, Michael Bennett on traffic, standing by with the latest as you make your way home from the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael, what's going on?
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Back to our conversation with Pastor Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. I might mention at this juncture, if you know somebody that is struggling with this issue, that their marriage is being torn apart, that there's imbalance in their relationship, that uh, it, it's becoming sort of that wedge being driven between husband and wife, you might want to just stop what you're doing right now and pick up the phone and urge that friend to tune in, KFAX, or online, of course, at KFAX.com. As we continue our conversation, Master Allen, uh, we alluded before the break to the notion that a lot of the prevalence of this paradigm shift and the influence and and the way we see and relate to human sexuality today certainly is in part a change in social mores. But I wonder if, too, and, and perhaps contributory to that, has been the change in access to this all. It wasn't that many years ago that if an individual was interested in being exposed to pornography, You either went to the back of the store where they had pieces of wood covering magazine covers that kids couldn't see them, or worse still, you went to the seedy part of town at the end, past the ugly bars to find yourself at a peep show or whatever. That was barely 20 years ago. Today, all you have to do is innocently sit in your office, your home study, launch a computer, to go into maybe innocently Google something online, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you don't have to go find it, it comes and finds you.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, this is on virtually any device, uh, whether it's a smartphone, a computer. Um, and it's very sad uh, how quickly this is ac- uh, accelerated, if you wish. Uh, the um, The alluring nature of this is you know man was designed visually by God for a reason, so this becomes appealing to a guy, and uh, the accessibility as you point out. Uh, one of the uh, breakthroughs that computers have had is the high-speed Internet, and uh, this makes videos and so forth more accessible and more pro- uh, more available to folks. The, um, the Internet has also done something else. It's uh, made it affordable from the point of view that most of it's free. Uh, a lot of it is free at least. So that means that anybody can take a look at this stuff as it comes to you. And uh, you can become anonymous. Um, you can be looking at this in, in theory and be anonymous. And uh, what ends up happening is it becomes addictive very quickly. This is why we have on our website a, um, a, a wonderful uh, tool that we encourage absolutely everyone to have on every one of their s- uh, smartphones and computers. It's a, not just a filtering device. It's a blocking device, and it's a tracking device so that if you're on your computer – Uh, You can have a a spouse or a friend or a buddy uh, know where you've been visiting, and it will actually block offensive material. And you can set it as to what you want it to block. Absolutely, every Christian needs to have this uh, on on their devices because what would happen if you don't have this on your device and you hand your phone or your computer to a friend who wants to borrow it, and all of a sudden this material starts to come up onto your device? God holds us accountable for what comes through that device to that other person. So we now are on the hook as far as God is concerned, and that's not where we want to be, right? So we want to protect our eyes. We want to protect our heart and mind. In fact, uh, the whole point of this is uh, that there has never been, never will be a condom designed by anybody that will protect our heart and our mind. And that's, of course, what God wants to have happen. So, yes, and if you think this is bad, and it is, I, I don't want to diminish it, but what's on the horizon and already been invented and it's on in the marketplace right now is infinitely worse than what we're experiencing right now. And that is, of course, the whole virtual reality and artificial intelligence and so forth that's uh, right now becoming more and more available. This is an accelerant. This would be like uh, taking uh, nitroglycerin and pouring it on an open fire. This would be uh, an absolute destructive aspect, and, and we as Christians need to understand this. We need to know what to do and how to, how to go about uh, blocking these things and, and protecting not only ourselves but becoming responsible for our kids. Uh, this is why our kids are getting slaughtered about this topic because a lot of guys aren't being courageous when it comes to their, uh, protecting their family about this. So we encourage men to become courageous protectors of their family.
1: Is there also leading to or or attending to all of this, Pastor Allen, a false sense of safety or security that even leads to levels of justification? And I ask that question because perhaps at the extremes a number of years ago, pre-Internet, magazines might be one source, and then engaging in... Prostitution. I mean, I apologize for using the word, but we're, we're adults here. Yeah. We need to have a frank conversation. So that was the extremes of which. Today, though, I wonder if part of the seductiveness of these trends are not only the fact that men and women, for that matter, can engage without physically engaging with another human being. So that they say, well, it's not all that bad because it's not like I really had an affair. Yeah. And then you add to that implementation of advancement in things like VR, virtual reality. And the frightening thing that I'm seeing is the development of these so-called almost android, human-like dolls that are being marketed as substitutes. And if you read some of the things uh, that are written in the – was it the New, I think it was in the New England Journal of Medicine that basically said this is going to create some real emotional problems yeah. for individuals that now, as a substitute, and they sort of explain it away, they downplay it, not recognizing the fact that there's real, true, spiritual, emotional damage taking place yeah. here. But we write it off because we say, well, it's just a computer.
2: Yeah. And this is actually already taking place. You see people in different parts of the world marrying their robot and this sort of thing, plural marriage and so forth. So, yes, this is uh, coming down the pike. And uh, to your point, which is excellent, uh, because I use the justification in my uh, old way of life of saying, you know, who is it hurting when it comes to masturbation or pornography? It's not involving anybody. It's just hurting myself uh, or maybe not even myself. And, of course, when you get involved in other people uh, chat-wise or uh, through uh, other communications, that question, you know, who is it hurting – Uh, God addressed very, very carefully in Matthew 5, uh, and he talked about, uh, you know, have you looked upon another person with lust in your heart? Well, that's, according to Jesus, that's the definition of adultery. And according to what God calls uh, the penalty for adultery, it's not pretty, (laughs) And, and it ought to scare the bejeebers out of us. Therein lies the definition of what is adultery, what is proper and what is improper sexual Motivations as well as behavior, and 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 we see this take place. Uh, there, there's really four causes as we uh, studied this. Uh, four causes of how a guy gets to be like this, and you're touching on the first one, which is spiritual. We are designed. Uh, Uh, From a a visual point of view, guys are. And uh, the world is full of, of course, uh, visual temptations. And when a man gives into that temptation in that boundaryless sex experience that doesn't honor God, uh, spiritually speaking, our hearts and our minds become polluted at that point. The other part of the spiritual aspect is lots of guys have a God-shaped puzzle piece in their soul that they're trying to fill the wrong way with some type of sexual activity, very similar to alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever it might be, that only God can fill. Now, that's only one of maybe four major categories. The second one is the one I touched on before where biologically we actually change our brain uh, as far as the orientation And thirdly, uh, it's a a psychological reason uh, where our emotions uh, or our soul has been hurt uh, somewhere in the past. It's fascinating to learn that 83% of men who misuse sex have themselves been sexually abused or emotionally abused, physically abused, verbally abused, in some fashion abused. And then they misuse sex as a coping mechanism to medicate their pain. Now, I want to point out that this is a pain which often they're not even aware exists. Which is really interesting because I live this. I, I, I literally live this, and I didn't know that I had a pain deep within, and I was misusing sex to try to cope with that, but that bio- or that psychological uh, reason uh, for this behavior is very real, and I see it in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men who have been somehow hurt. Early on in their in their life and so
1: we look at it, and we say, "Well, come on now, I mean essentially then what you 're doing by engaging in pornography, for example, is false intimacy yeah. and psychologically, perhaps not with a sense of of front of mind consciousness, but deep down buried in the psyche." is the sense that, yes, it's a false intimacy, and that's what I'm seeking because I've been hurt before. I'm still feeling the pangs. I'm still wounded. Mm -hmm. And because I'm wounded, I'm trying to protect myself. So the way I can protect myself is engaging in Not true intimacy, where there's vulnerability and the possibility of being hurt, but rather false intimacy, where I'm essentially tricking myself into thinking I'm finding satisfaction when in reality I'm not at all. I'm really running from something.
2: That's right. And the net result of that is a greater unfulfillment than fulfillment. Which then promotes the the seeking out of that thing that's going to really fulfill me.
1: And not only does the cycle continue then, but I think yeah. as you're suggesting, the cycle also gets bigger, does oh, it much not? Bigger. The vortex of this is like from the cone of the center of the no. the uh, the tornado. Yes. Uh, that oftentimes we look at that and say, well, the real damage is taking place is at the outlying areas as this cone gets wider and wider and wider.
2: That's right. Not only that, it gets much, much deeper. You're absolutely right, and it's profound that uh, when when you get involved in this type of behavior, how sneaky it becomes because it infiltrates every part of your life. There is no part of your life untouched, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's with your integrity at work, uh, whether it's with uh, how you uh, think about or have sex with your current or future wife. All of it is impacted, including, I would add, generationally, because that's actually the fourth causal of this is uh, it's passed from one generation to the other. In fact, it can even skip a generation. We've seen that happen as well. And, uh, b- but the good news in this is God knows this, and he can heal us. And uh, the, the good news for me is no matter how it's come about in a guy's life, no matter where he is in the cycle, there is a way out. And this is why I live. Uh, this is my purpose in life, but there's no greater joy for me than to see a man who's caught up in this, say, hey, you know what? This this really stinks. Uh, I want out. And then he, he, he surrenders to God and he says, all right, Jesus, you've made these promises, or maybe I don't even know your promises. I just want a different way of life. I've, I've either uh, had God touch my heart and say, hey, what am I doing? Or uh, I, I've, I've had a glimpse of the ugliness of that bottom, whatever that rock bottom looks like, or maybe I'm actually there. And I, and I say, I give up. And at that point, God goes to work because you've surrendered to him, and you said, okay, come, please, give me a new heart and a new mind. God actually promises this, and this is one of the most exciting things about God, is he promises to give us a new heart and a new mind so that we not only know what his ways are, but we live them and experience our purpose and the abundant life that God always intended for us.
1: Now, I fully recognize and acknowledge that. But I'm going to rain on your parade just for a moment, and then we'll do what's called a cliffhanger. They'll have to wait for your answer after the break, and that is this, that indeed either that sense of sort of getting out to the end of your line, your end of your rope, you're tired of not feeling a sense of true fulfillment and satisfaction. You recognize you're on that treadmill. You're getting pulled into the vortex of that cyclone, that cycle, deeper and deeper, and it's becoming more and more painful. Maybe you've had that life-changing encounter, or the Holy Spirit has simply reached down and knocked you up beside the head, and you've woken up going, What am I doing to my life? But I liken it to the awakening that the alcoholic has who says, you know what? Drinking this stuff is doing me no good. It's damaging my life, my liver, my relationships. I need to stop. Meanwhile, I live next door to a bar, and I work in a brewery. (laughs) How do you deal with once having arrived at the recognition and acknowledgement that you need help how do you break free when you are literally surrounded? We'll have Clay Allen answer that question as our conversation continues. Founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry right here in the Bay Area. Information online at Avenue.Works. That's Avenue.W-O-R-K-S. Think of the usual extension, .com, .org, all that stuff, right? Well, this is .Works, Avenue.Works. toll-free, 877-326-7000. It is confidential, it is Bible-based, and it changes lives. Avenue.Works. A timeout back with more as Lifeline continues. All right, 538, time to get caught up on traffic yet once again. Michael Bennett, what's going on out there?
0: and now back to lifeline with Craig Roberts
1: our series with Clay Allen focusing on the restoration of individuals whose lives have been impacted by sexual brokenness and again information available online at avenue.works that's avenue.works or by calling toll free 877326 Seven thousand eight seven seven three two six seven thousand. I liken it to the alcoholic who recognizes he's got a problem and says, okay, I'm going to have to get into the 12-step program, acknowledge I have a problem, start working the program, and I've got to walk away from that bar. But the pornography addict, man or woman, who struggles with this and is impacted by this and says, it's easy to say, walk away from it. But what do I do when it follows me? What do I do when I open up a magazine and there's a picture of a scantily clad woman selling some product or on a billboard or a TV advertisement? How do you get away from this when it follows you home?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Craig. The the very first thing that any individual ought to do to combat this is simply ask for help. And when I say ask for help, uh, I mean to ask for it in a confidential way. This is one of the areas that we focused on very heavily in the beginning of our ministry because we saw a lot of people attending or not attending uh, groups that help people because they weren't confidential. And so when I say that, I mean it in the sense that nobody knows that you're going to be asking for help. Um, We we have pastors that ask for help, and it's even anonymous. They don't even have to give us their name. Um, when they start seeing how it works, then, of course, they start to open up.
1: Is part of that help in that fashion important because it lends a layer of accountability?
2: Well, yes, uh, but the devil works with the guy's uh, mind in the sense that um, the very first aspect of this formula, if you wish, uh, that the devil uses, he always uses the same game plan, is uh, uh, silence. He wants the guy to stay silent about this issue. For reasons that he has probably a million reasons in his mind to uh, to keep silent, he doesn't want to be found out. He doesn't want to deal, you know, deal with this and so forth. So the very first thing is to break that silence, and I recommend doing it confidentially. That's what we do. Secondly, when it comes to secrets, uh, the, uh, we know that God says that his, uh, our secrets belong to Him, and when we give God our secrets, and our program helps a person do this, uh, He starts to experience instead of shame. God's grace and his mercy, and that's one of the very first things that we help men with because uh, when when he starts to ask for help, I truly believe it is a divine moment that needs to be stewarded extraordinarily carefully and very well because Jesus said, you know, when you help that guy, you're helping me.
1: That silence can also be an atmosphere in which the enemy of our souls, who is very crafty, yeah acknowledges that in that vacuum, so to speak, that individual can then begin to engage in self-talk and suddenly, well, this isn't so bad. Nobody's really been hurt. That's and right. before you know it, they're right back into that cycle.
2: That's exactly right. In fact, we, uh, I've, uh, for a couple of decades, called this the window. Uh, and uh, when a guy asks for help, we know that that window of opportunity will open. It will uh, stay open for a period of time, and it always depends on the guy as to how long it stays open. But once it's closed, he goes back into the cycle. So while that window is open is a divine opportunity for him not only to get right about this issue, but the life that God has waiting for him is at stake here as to whether or not he gets help or not. One of the very first things that we help men with is we we, uh, provide them – Uh, men with life tools to to modify their behavior immediately as we help them get two things one is the manual that i wrote called operation destiny because it will help them with practical tools to start dealing with this issue immediately from the moment that they contact us they will start to be helped immediately the second thing is to get in touch with other men Uh, because you need help from other men on this planet. God put them here for a reason. Guys like myself, there's hundreds of other guys that can help you. And we get you in touch with other guys who have agreed to be confidential and have committed to being available to you 24-7 to help you. And you at some point will perhaps help other men in the same way.
1: Is it important to acknowledge and take that first step relatively quickly? And I ask that question because – even as our even as our dialogue on the radio is taking place today, and perhaps an individual eavesdropping on this conversation begins to feel a sense of of conviction over this, and the Holy Spirit is moving, or maybe in another scenario, the man almost got caught. Yeah, but not quite. Yeah, and either he talked his way out of something. Oh, those magazines, honey, are not mine. They actually belong to our son. Whatever it might be, and 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 so it came close to impending doom. And then there was that moment of escape. And then we engage in that, whew, thank you, God, for not allowing me to get caught. I'm never, ever, ever going to do that again. I'm just going to stop it. And you you resolve in your own mind, that's the end of it yeah. for well, a week or two. And then seductively, yeah. the enemy in that vacuum begins working on you. And before you know it, you're right back into that behavior again.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, my answer to that is uh, prove it. If that's, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but if a guy says, I'll never do that again, uh, my response to that would be prove it. Who are you going to call about this that can get you help? You see, guys always think, your, your analogy is perfect, by the way, about the alcoholic living next to a bar and living uh, working in a brewery. Uh, uh, but I would also say that any way a guy is trying to figure out a way out of this is a way of calculating without God in the formula mm-hmm. of his future. He cannot possibly understand what is in his future that God and wants. And isn't to a lot of in. the
1: reasoning, too, in the flesh sort of risk reduction? I want to make sure I don't get caught. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't yeah. have a
1: day of reckoning with my wife. Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to find the way out, yes. not genuinely seeking healing, restoration. And and an abandonment of the false intimacy and experiencing then true intimacy. Because I, I guess the other point here too is it's not just breaking a cycle of a bad habit. It's addressing the question, what's the root cause? What yeah. is at that? Is it a problem that you become addicted to alcohol? Perhaps. But if we don't ask the question, what drove you to drink mm-hmm. In the first place, right. what pain were you trying to anesthetize? What yeah. were you trying to run from in the first place? If you don't answer that question, I would imagine, too, that even if for the sake of conversation you find escapism for this, isn't it likely that there might be transference into something else where yeah. pornography is no longer your, your problem, but suddenly now you find that you've got a drug habit?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, When we help men, um, one of the first things we do is we have a conversation with them. We learn very quickly that he usually has two, three, maybe four coinciding um, compulsive behaviors. And uh, so what we want to try and help him deal with first is the most intense. Um, And very often uh, a man doesn't even understand what root causes are, and that's all right. God does. and so the Lord will reveal this to him through the Holy Spirit, and our program helps him deal with those root issues. Heal him, actually identify and heal him. And we do this through experiential exercises. This is one of the first things that I learned in the, uh, in the ministry. As I was going through this problem myself, I saw a lot of programs where you fill in the blanks, you know, kind of thing. Go look over here and fill in this blank. Well, I didn't do anything for my heart at that point, certainly not my mind. So one of the more radical things that I I learned is if you take a principle from the Bible and you do something, usually with another guy, uh, that's experiential, taking that principle and applying it to your life, it's radical. It it, it literally transforms your life. Uh, One one of the first things that we (laughs) help a guy do is the uh, five daily directives, but part of that is uh, contacting a guy uh, who you trust in your group, uh, three times a day for the first 90 days and you think well, how in the heck can that help well you call him in the morning and you say you're my go-to guy and if I get into trouble visually mentally physically I'm going to call you and I'm going to uh, say what's going on and would you pray for me you both say yes so during the day you see something on your computer screen or on the on the street or something and it triggers something and you call your buddy and and you say this is what's going on and would you pray for me so you two pray And all of a sudden, what you've done right there, you've confessed it, you've gone horizontally, meaning you've created relationship with another buddy, and then you've gone uh, uh, vertically with your relationship with the Lord. And you know what God promises at that moment? He promises that his power, not your power, his power will invade your heart and your mind in such a way that you will become empowered to overcome what you're facing, uh, and and then in the evening, you call your foxhole, what we call foxhole buddies, uh, you're the guys in your group, uh, in the evening, thanking and rejoicing the Lord that you got through the day. Now, if you do this for every day for 90 days, and if you haven't done this, you're not qualified for an opinion, but I will tell you, you do this for 90 days straight, as we suggest the guys to do, and we have seen men who have struggled with 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years wow. of sexual brokenness freed like that, and it's because they have experienced a new power, because our power is not great enough to overcome this. This is why I say calculating without God in in the future is devastating, because you can't imagine God's what God's power can and will do but for you. But does
1: this also not bring in a degree of accountability? Because let's face it, in, in the addiction, whatever it might be, Oftentimes, we seek avoidance. I don't want to go to church on Sunday because it makes me think about God or it makes me open the Bible, and to do that suddenly makes me focus on what I'm struggling with, and I'm not really ready to deal with that. Therefore, I'm going to remain unaccountable. This really forces you into that degree of accountability and looking face-to-face into what it is that you're being challenged by.
2: I love you, Craig. Uh, Thank you so much for bringing that up, because that's absolutely right. And and I want to go one step further, just uh, delve into this word accountability accountability for a minute, because most guys don't understand this word accountability. Uh, The root of accountability uh, is not punishment. I interviewed 100 guys one time, and over 80 of them, uh, I asked them to give me the first word. When I said the word accountability, over 80% said punishment. And I thought, where does that come from? And I believe it comes from our earthly fathers. Uh, You know, we did something wrong. We're going to hold you accountable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But do you know what the root is of accountability? Is encouragement. Encouragement that you can do this. God can do this in you if you participate with God in his way. You may not be perfect. This is not about perfection. This is about experiencing encouragement from God through his power in relationship with him and with others and this is why Christ's transformational healing works it's a reality this is why this attitude of once an addict always an addict I don't know where that came from but it's not in the Bible it's certainly not God's idea because if you read Second uh, you know, Corinthians 5 for example it says the old is gone the new has come if you're in Christ and most importantly guys listen to this God does not hold your sins against you when you come and say you want help from him and from others like ourselves who has his hand extended to you. That's such great news. I can't imagine better news than that. Your sins are not counted against you. And so God's interest is to encourage you and experience his transformation as you are accountable to him and to others. And this actually becomes a beautiful thing, and there's no punishment involved.
1: Do you also find in this process, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, Clay, that sometimes this is not the core problem. This is, in fact, symptomatic, that this is a form of escapism or anesthetizing another area in our life that's wounded, that's broken. We might not even on the surface be able to connect the dots, but the enemy is using this as a means of almost setting up a military blockade that says, I know there's this issue in your past, in this relationship, whatever it might be, and I'm going to keep you captive, and I'm going to do it by distracting you with all this stuff and convince you that you're a sexual addict, there's no help, there's no healing, and get you stuck in that place. And meanwhile, the real causal issue here never gets addressed.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, you know what scares the living daylights out of the devil is for a Christian to experience his God-designed destiny. Mm. The devil gets absolutely freaked out about that. And that, I believe, is the reason why men get caught up um, (laughs) and uh, are unable to break free from the tractor beam of toxic sex. If they understand that breaking free will lead them to this glorious, abundant life that Jesus promised... Uh, And this thing I call God's designed destiny for our life, which includes, by the way, so many things you can't count them all, uh, financially, relationally, intimately, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, You you just simply can't calculate it all. And so that, I believe, is why the devil keeps a lot of us in bondage. Well,
1: he's in the business of keeping people captive, and yet we have to remind ourselves that Christ came to set the captives free. That's exactly right.
2: That's exactly right. And as we go through this process with men and we give them immediate ways of helping them uh, uh, set up uh, what we call offensive and defensive uh, battle plans, um, you, know, how, you know, it's never enough to run away from something, right? You, we always have to run towards something that's better. Right. And so God's idea of restoring us is always to make us more and better than the original condition and then to do it on an ongoing basis. Well, this idea then is God's. And so what we do is we undergird that man besides the immediate help with transformational tools to help him change and restore his heart and his mind.
1: And if you extract one behavior, let's face it, that may not be lasting If something else comes to suddenly fill that vacuum. So as you point out, it's not just a matter of running away. And as we've alluded to in today's conversation, this is one of those arenas of sin that will find you, that will follow you, because it is so pervasive. And so it's not just a matter of what you run away from, but what you're running toward in the process of finding healing.
2: That's exactly right. And the Lord is really interested in finding men who are courageous, who want to deal with this topic, because... There's so many men, uh, I mean, the stats prove it out uh, so many times over, uh, that are hiding in this area. And, you know, it's really sad to me that they are hiding because they, their families, their wives, their children, their finances, their future. Uh, you know, when we when we look at the results of this, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me. And I feel so privileged and blessed to be able to see men um, transformed and their wives transformed. But do you realize that when a man heals God's way, that uh, he has what I call a threefold prosperity. He starts spiritually first with hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit, and perhaps the first time in his life. Uh, and, you know, he may have heard the Holy Spirit before. He may have heard God's voice before. But do you know that one idea from the, uh, from the Holy Spirit can change that man's life for the mm-hmm. better and the entire world around him uh, for the better? And And, and when a guy... Uh, has nothing to hide from God anymore and from others. And this is progressive, of course. He has to you know, be able to trust the Lord and trust other men, certainly. But there comes a point where he starts taking risk for Jesus. And what I mean by that is he, you're going to hear, man, something where God says to do something, and it's probably going to scare the living day- daylights out of you. And yet you have a choice in the matter. You don't have to do it, but if you do... God promises that you will live on the cutting edge of the miraculous at that point. And this is where life gets so exciting. And, and of course, this is uh, as you heal and as you mature in Christ and so forth. But also that man will start to experience relational intimacy on levels he's never experienced before.
1: If the very notion of being able to break free from sin and shame and that wet, heavy blanket feeling that seems to sort of drape over every aspect of your life, your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your God, then I want to urge you to get more information because, as Clay Allen has suggested, there is, in fact, hope and healing and victory. But it's not just a matter of what you're running from, but also what you're running toward in finding that victory. More information available on the web, Avenue.Works. It is completely confidential. Again, Avenue.Works, if you think of .com, .org, what have you, Avenue.Works, or you can call toll-free 877-326-7000, 877-326-7000. The series, again, continues next Thursday at 5 o'clock. You can pick up on part one of our discussion by going to the KFAX podcast page for Lifeline and looking at last Thursday's broadcast. And tonight's show, if you'd like to listen to it again or share it with a friend, will be available along about 7.15 or so tonight. And uh, eventually we will compile the entire series for you together as a single podcast. But as we do this week by week, you can follow along in the series. And again, more information available online at Avenue.Works. That's Avenue.Works. I'd like to thank Pastor Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, for being with us today.
2: You're welcome, Craig. Joy to be with you.
1: All right. With that, we're going to take a quick timeout, get you updated on some headline news. But first, a look at some headline traffic. Michael Bennett's got all that for you. Then when we come back, a conversation with our good buddy Vern Tyler as our continuing series on the Hosanna Parenting Project continues. Right now, though, let's get the latest with Michael Bennett. Michael? Michael?